Caution to listeners, the following podcast includes content of a graphic or distressing nature. Well, we have to define our successes differently than you would think. We can't look at a woman and say, yay, she's she's moved on, she's found her apartment, that's a success, uh, because sometimes they go back and we can't look at that as failure. looks different for everyone so for some people it's finding an apartment in six weeks for some people it's learning a grounding technique for some people it's learning that you don't deserve to be abused like that you know can be success somebody must say these things a podcast made possible by the transition house association of nova scotia Chapter 6. Transition houses are only able to house women for six weeks in Nova Scotia. Six weeks is a very short amount of time to start your life all over again. This is why success is hard to define for women who are escaping abuse. A fairy tale ending is not a realistic expectation for anyone. And the same applies to women in transition houses. In this episode, we will explore just some of the expectations and outcomes that these women can expect. It can be as simple as that when a woman leaves here, even if she's returning to her abusive relationship, that she knows she has a safe place to land that she can come back. The THANS organization defines success in many ways. Helen Morrison from Willow House explains part of success is educating the women they assist. She hopefully and probably a little bit more educated about, you know, the, I, the aspects of abuse so that maybe the next time she makes the decision to leave faster because she knows now that she has a place to go. Dawn Ferris of Autumn House expands the definition of success to instilling clients with a sense of happiness in their own autonomy. We define successes when a woman is happy with her choices and felt supported. And that's the marker of success for us. And we hear from lots of women um, post-stay, post-services, that that they're appreciative of the work we do, we call those successes. Not all women remain independent. Returning to an abusive partner happens. Fans does not control women and their decisions. But as Emily Stewart from Third Place explains, these women can still be success stories as long as they walk away knowing someone is there to help them. You might return to your partner or you might go to another situation that you find yourself in danger again but you've learned that that's not normal. So sometimes success is really, you don't know that it's successful for a while. (laughs) Um, And sometimes it feels like there aren't as many success stories as you'd like to see because it is, there's a lot of barriers you have to overcome. But I think anytime a woman can leave our services feeling more empowered, more uh, able to, make decisions that serve her 
and not feel guilty about it, that that to me is a pretty good metric for success. Leaving an abusive partner doesn't always happen all at once. For some, it is a journey with many stepping stones. But as Helen sees it, slow and steady can win the race too. You know, we've had women over the years who've actually um, called us and said, you know, I need to come in for a little while. I need a vacation. And they will actually come in and spend a couple of weeks with us because, it, you know, it's just time to get out of that relationship for a couple of weeks. Um, and for whatever their reasons, they're not ready to leave, but they also recognize that they need for their own mental health or for their own physical health to get out of that relationship. I think that's success. I think that's very successful when we have women who recognize us as that place to be and to protect themselves in that way. Um, you know, other people want to talk about success as something, um, what might, you know, what they might think is more grand. But I can't imagine anything grander than a woman feeling empowered enough to make a phone call and leave an abusive relationship, even if it is only for a few days or a couple of weeks, or maybe forever. And while there are a lot of setbacks, a lot of lows, and a lot of losses, the strides, the highs, and the wins, no matter how small, are all worth it for the fans team. Their passion for helping these women is evident. Seeing women overcome what they have to, like, you see them struggle and struggle and struggle and struggle. And then, you know, you get hit like 10 times and you get up 11. Like it's, yeah, resilience is always um, really inspirational. So seeing um, moms go back to school and get their own apartment and parent on their, on their own and all of those things. And you see like, them achieve that level of normalcy that they uh, had set out for is great. But also seeing the women come together and share their experiences and learn from each other, um, as well as this, you know, the staff were, we're women. So we, we often, you know, can empathize and understand to some degree with what they've been through. So there's a lot of positive exchanges that happen and like the walls, are pretty thin <laughs> our building so I can usually hear like um you know laughter and like kids running around on the little feet um so it's it's just nice to see people happy especially when they haven't been for so long and you get to see like the breakthroughs of their personality at first you might see somebody who's kind of cold and standoffish but then you just find out like oh no they've just got this dry sense of humor and like <laughs> It's just lovely to get to know people on that intimate level because housing and communal living is so intimate like that. The intimacy of a transition house is a bonding experience, which can make leaving difficult. It's also made difficult by what women know is waiting for them on the other side. Life after abuse is incredibly hard. There's so many barriers for them, even as they move on. Trying to live on your own is difficult, whether you're by yourself or you have children, because you know some of the difficulty is around how am I going to make ends meet? How am I going to feed my children? How am I going to feed myself? 
where, where are we going to live? Um, and, you know, one of the things that's happened in uh, our area, and I know it's happened in other areas as well, is that, you know, the cost of apartments is, uh, you know, and housing is so extreme that, you know, trying to live, if you're on income assistance, or um, even if you're working, and, you know, the idea of paying for an apartment that is so high on your own salary, you know, or on your, with the money you're bringing in because income assistance, women find themselves in all kinds of precarious situations when they're out there and they're trying to uh, keep a roof over their kids' heads and, and feed themselves and their children because they're seen again as vulnerable. And, you know, we have many stories about women who, you know, take an apartment that's more than they can afford and they're trying and they've decided that I need a decent apartment for my, for my children because if, and if they're involved with child welfare, they're being told by child, child welfare that they have to have a clean, decent environment for the kids. And so sometimes they will overreach and then they don't have enough to get groceries during the week and then they are during the month. And so they're trying to figure out how they're going to make that money spread for the for the groceries and the other bills that they may have and have and help them if they have, uh, you know, a child who is ill or needs medications. And, you know, so uh, they become you know, they're masters at getting, getting through, getting through the month and, uh, and, you know, going from two salaries, possibly if they were, you know, uh, to one salary is really difficult. Going from one salary to inconsistence is very difficult. And then on top of all the hardship many of these women have to face, there are some people in the world who are willing to take advantage of abuse victims, social and financial vulnerability. We have had women who have uh, gotten apartments and the landlords, you know, approach them and say, I know you're trying to save a couple of bucks. So if you're nice to me, I'll uh, I'll take a hundred bucks off your rent or, I'll, you know, wouldn't you rather feed your kids with that hundred dollars or, you know. Um, and so women are compromised all the time uh, because they're seen as vulnerable because they're desperate to desperately trying to to keep their a roof over their heads and feeding themselves and their children. And um, and people just, you know, automatically assume that they will, that they're fair game for them. The world can be an unfair and dark place. Not every client of a transition house reintegrates on their first attempt. But all the women who leave transition houses are instilled with the message that we are here for you. If they do need support, Fans is there. She has to have a plan as where she, as to where she's going next. So that is something we'd be supporting her on throughout uh, her stay um, after she's you know secured housing and moves on. She would, if she has children, she'd still have ongoing connection with um, child protection. We would offer follow-up services through our outreach so that um, if she does want to pursue like a peace bond that provides a little extra security while they're at home. We also make it very clear that they're welcome back anytime. Like you might go home, think it's going to be all good. And then tonight something blows up, just come right back. Like you, like you're always welcome here. And that's, uh, 
a big message we have to put out. Fans advocates not only for these women and children's protection, but also for a better system of government support. The real thing that keeps women out of abusive relationships is access to economic stability, a level of stability that our current support systems do not accommodate. They still have to take on more than they should. We um, need to be in a place where, you know, childcare is universal because how can a mom go work at Tim Hortons 40 hours a week and pay for her childcare uh, expenses and all of those things? Like, it's just not reasonable to expect that of single parent households. Um, so I think we definitely definitely need to do more on that front. And I think that there needs to be more economic security to start over um, because our income assistance rates are not high enough to support a family in a way that is, you know, safe and reasonable. So I think that there's there's still a lot that's needed to make sure that um, people continue to feel safe and secure in the community. There is that stereotype of like, oh, the the poor, battered women, like, you know, the community would do anything to help her, but it's not really like that. It's like, well, you don't have a rental history. You, you know, you have children. How are you going to manage them so it doesn't disturb the neighbors? Like, how are you going to afford to pay this $1,400 a month rent when your income is $1,400 a month? Like, there's not a lot of desire for landlords to take on that risk. Um, I've worked as a property manager um, and landlord kind of position before, so I I get it on some level. Um, however, I don't I don't think you should be able to discriminate uh, on people's sources of income or whether or not they have children. I think those are two things that somebody can't really control too much about themselves and just needs a place. You can't put those other things ahead of having a house. Like you can't go to work when you don't have a home. Financial struggles for women re-entering society make it challenging to create a secure, stable life after abuse. But even more devastating and more difficult to address can be the deep psychological impacts abuse can have on its survivors. Helen has been working with domestic abuse survivors for decades and explains that the biggest tragedy is women who are so accommodated to a life of abuse that any other life is unimaginable. I will share this one story with you. I think that one of the most um, devastating times for me as a as a crisis support worker here at Transition House back in the 90s, um, because that's how old I am. But anyway, uh, uh, we had a woman in who uh, came to us and she was in fairly bad shape when she arrived. And back in that day, we used to talk about the women who we knew had been abused for long periods of time, possibly even all of their lives because there was kind of um, some women who are severely abused, there's kind of a a deadness in their eyes. And this woman presented that way and we were all trying to do whatever we could to help her. And so one night we were, I was sitting uh, with her and she looked at my hand and she said, oh, 
she said, you're married. And I said, yes. And she said, ah, oh, yeah. She said, uh, you're one of those. And I said, what do you mean? She said, you're one of those. She said, you know, I see women like you all the time around, walking in the mall or uh, down the street, she said, and you might even be holding your partner's, your, you know, your partner's hand. And she said, and you might even be smiling and you look like you're really happy. And she said, but you know, I know that you are just a better actress than I am. And I remember stopping at that point and thinking, what do I say to that? How do I help this woman? You know, because her hope uh, that there's even the idea of a relationship doesn't exist for her at this point, you know? Um, and saying to her, oh, well, you know, I can tell you I'm in a good, you know, I'm in a, a good relationship. I'm happy in my marriage or whatever. That's not going to mean anything to her because she has already given up, you know, and, and she thinks that women like me are just good actresses. Fans is aware of all these struggles. They know why women access their services, but their knowledge is an incredible resource to the women who need them. Long after they leave the transition house, FANS is there for them, even though sometimes it feels like it's never enough. You, you know, you see them grow and you see, uh, get to know them on a, a personal level. And, you know, you hope that they're able to make it on their own and that they have enough support. But a lot of the time they come to us because their supports are lacking. Like if you could, you know, go stay at your sister's house for three months, people would choose that before they come choose to live with a transition house. So we know people aren't coming to us because they want to. So you're happy to see them leave because you know they didn't really want to be there in the first place. Um, and But it's also a bit concerning because you know that within, like they're still at risk. Like it you know, the risk for um, lethality exists, like, from the day they leave for, like, two years. So um, it takes a long time, I think, for them to feel safe. And a lot of times we stay in touch with them. Like, they'll be like, we just heard something bump in the night. It's like, okay, we'll call us, call 911 and uh, those types of things. So um, we definitely try to keep in touch when it's safe to do so. Sometimes they return to partner and, you know, they can call us, but if we call them, we're putting them at risk. So, um, yeah, you're always really hopeful and you're, you're happy for them. Um, but you know, their, their, their struggle is not over and that they're, um, they're still fighting. As women come and go, workers at transition houses across Nova Scotia are left to wonder what happens to those who do not stay in touch. But seeing women who do reconnect and build new lives for themselves is the most rewarding and hope-inspiring part of the job. It makes it all worth it.
one of the things about this work that we we talk about staff talk about sometimes is you know just how you know women coming in and out of our lives and how uh you know sometimes we just wonder you know whatever happened or you know how they're they're doing now because you know they don't they don't always keep in touch and uh so it's always remarkable and i i go back i to the times when you bump into someone. And I remember about five years ago, I bumped into a woman who, uh, I was at Walmart and a woman approached me and she said, um, your name is Helen, right? And I said, yes. And she said, you probably don't remember me. And I said to her, your face is familiar, but no, I'm sorry, I don't remember your name. And she said to me, well, I was in the shelter and you were a worker there. And she said, I remember how kind you were to me. And I said, oh my goodness, I'm so, I'm so glad that I was able to help you in any way. And she said, help me, my dear. She said, you wonderful women at Transition House helped me so much. You gave me a place to be to sort of get my head straightened out. And she said, and just, you know, it was, it was just like a moment in time, but she said, I was able to de determine what I want, where I wanted to go to move forward. And she said, I was lucky enough that I had friends and family who helped me do that. But she said, I went on to go to um, university and I became a nurse. And she said, I have had a good life. And she said, and I don't know that that would have happened if I hadn't had a place like Transition House to go. So you take that story because that, you, you know, you, I walk on air after that. And uh, I'm so excited for her. And I'm so happy that this is, you know, because no matter how tough the work gets, you, that moment with that woman puts it all into perspective for you and and makes you realize how valuable the work is that you do because you don't always think about that so much. And so then you take it back and you share it with the staff because you want them to hear the story as well so that they understand the impact that they're having on people's lives. The impact THANS has on women fleeing violence is powerful. It changes lives. And this is in spite of the organization's limited resources that threaten THAN's ability to operate effectively in Nova Scotia. In our next chapter, we will speak with women who have witnessed the other side. Women who have experienced abuse at a time before resources like transition houses were available or widely known. Uh, growing up, um, in an abusive, violent home in a very small rural community. Um, my mother could not speak the language in our community, so she was absolutely isolated. What exactly is at stake if we lose THANs? Why does THANs need your support? You have been listening to Somebody Must Say These Things, an eight-part series spotlighting violence against women in Nova Scotia. We all have a responsibility to support and advocate for victims of violence against women. 
do your part to help make the Transition House Association of Nova Scotia 100% government funded. THANS exists to eliminate violence against women in Nova Scotia. Their organizations provide a full range of support services to women and children in a safe, supportive environment and provide survivors of violence with opportunities to learn about available resources and alternatives to facilitate informed personal choices and decisions. The vital work they do is constantly threatened by unstable, inconsistent funding. Ask your government representative to advocate for long-term, stable funding for THANS and help end violence against women. For more information, visit thans.ca. That's T-H-A-N-S dot C-A. Starter.